0: Welcome to the Neoborn and Andy, a human show. Welcome, Susan. How are you doing today? I know that you have been quite busy lately. Yes,
1: I've been very busy. Because it's um, a Grammy uh, contenders season where everyone gets together and listens to each other's music and, um, tries to, uh, and we all get to know each other. And basically, uh, it's called FYC, you know, for your consideration, we introduce our music to each other and say, Hey, if you're voting in this or that category, you know, would you consider me basically?
0: Oh, I get it now. Basically, the elections, like the Americans got talent. Yeah? I feel,
1: yeah, I felt like a politician all week. I've never pressed so much flesh in my life.
0: shaking hands and so hard, you know. How genuine, how authentic it is these days. Because for me, it felt for a couple of decades that the music industry has been ruled by shady characters who always said, okay, this is my company, we need this Okay, we have Rosca now. Somebody will get the Tony now. This will go for the Emmys, and this is the Grammys. So, is it now more transparent?
1: Yeah, I think so. It's it's not. You can't buy a Grammy. You know, you 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 do have to earn it.
0: How important is it to have Grammys on your shelf?
1: Well, okay. There, I have a. Gra- do you see my Grammy sitting there on the piano? Can
0: yeah. You- well, a little bit, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I have this Grammy. And you, you can imagine that when I received that little thing in the mail, uh, it was a big day for me, right? I mean, it was totally exhilarating and like the clouds parted and the angels sang, right? But, but when it comes right down to it, when you're a musician, you're only as good as you play. And you're only as good as your material is. So ultimately, you can have Grammys lining your shelves, but if you're not, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to get more concerts or gigs or recording opportunities if you're not living up to your standards that you had when you won them. So it never stops. It's like a, if, I, if I said, uh, as a flutist, if I say... I graduated with a master's from Juilliard, let's say, which I didn't actually. but let's say I said, I graduated with a master's degree from Ju- Juilliard in flute performance. And people would say, "Ooh, oh my goodness, she must be really good. OK, play for us, you know, if it's an audition or something. Play for oh, us. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, <laughs> My master's degree from Juilliard means nothing if I don't deliver. And so I think what a Grammy gets you is, or even a nomination is a lot of credibility and it gets you people will take you more seriously like wow she's serious in fact even just what i did this past week going and meeting all these people and having a submission having submitted something gives me a certain cred because it means number one i'm in the academy i'm a member of the academy and number two it means that i take myself very seriously that I, oh, yeah. I really believe in myself, you know, that mm-hmm. I put myself out there and I believe in myself and my project. And so it, it gets me on the map. Also my, I'm having to send a lot of FYC emails and messages to people like, please listen to my music. And so people who have never heard of me before are seeing my name now. They heard of, the Mariachi Divas, which is the group that I got
0: the... Yeah, I heard that band too in the last couple of weeks. It's not bad? bad.
1: <laughs> no, oh, no, the Divas are great. We have two Grammys and 11 nominations. So the Mariachi Divas have definite name recognition for sure. But Susan Craig Winsberg, as a member of the Divas, not so much as an individual. So now that I have my own submission... And my, you know, as an individual now and in a completely different genre, mind you. So,
0: uh, you were very versatile, and um, that's what I, when I listened to your, your songs from the last times, I don't want to talk about age, but let's say you are a little bit uh, more experienced than the TikTok generation.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I wear it like a badge. I'm very proud of, of my age because you know age is experience right like you say and age is um you age is wisdom one hopes (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. but you know it's it's a funny culture we live in that we have to kind of be coy about our age and lie about it or uh but no i i think all the years that i've been a professional musician have um all contributed to who i am now
0: So many things come to my mind. On the one hand, um, I do love working with Grammy Award winners or nominees. On my last album, I worked with a few and there is an incredible, incredible difference. You don't have to tell, you don't have to teach them. They know. They know what you want, and and it was amazing. Yes, of course, it's a higher shelf. Yeah,
1: you can't win if you're if you're amateurish or shoddy.
0: Or. No, yeah, yeah. But, and, and what I love is that, and probably this is also you, you will tell me, they're honest, brutally honest, but polite. And saying that, okay, this is it, so it's not for me, I can't do it. <laughs> So you are teaching, as far as I know, also. Probably you turned away a few students uh, already.
1: You know, I like people. And I, like, I like people of all ages, and I have a deep belief. I mean, like, I could have taught at the college level, taught, you know, flutists who were all aiming to become professionals or orchestral players. Yeah. But I, I didn't choose that. I chose to teach everybody, um, young and old, five, 5 to 75. Actually, I think I have a student now who's 78. it's uh, brilliant. Yeah, and I think giving the gift of music and giving people the opportunity, children who are just soaking it in for the first time, adults who always wished they could have played the piano. I teach a lot of piano. Always oh. wish... Or always loved the flute, but never tried it. I have a new student who is definitely, I don't know her age, but she's up in her 70s, I think. And she just always loved the flute, and she wanted to start. And I love being able to bring her. She's having so much fun with it, and it's so good for her mind also. You know, it's good for the mind, both children developing and older people trying to keep their minds fresh that I feel um, that it's a gift I can give as a musician. And if I only limited myself to really talented or ambitious um, students, it would be a different thing. Yeah, I, it probably would be more fun for me because I, you know, I'd be sinking my teeth into the, the juicy stuff and, and really getting down into the weeds of, of refinement. So it would be a different experience. But I do feel a a great sense of gratification, giving the gift of music to all different people.
0: I find it amazing. I find it amazing because it's it's rare. It's rare. You you remind me a little bit of my Valcanto teacher who told me, hey, can you talk? Yes, then you can sing. Just the work is more. I, I love what you are saying because before we just met, I read an article about a 104 years old lady who went parachuting, you know, and uh, this is this is it. I mean, aging is not a problem. This is it, that life, first time probably ever in human history, can be so fulfilling, as you say, that we, even if we spend decades in the treadmill, we are not going to six feet under after, but we can live again. And, uh, and I think this is it. I know that in different parts of the world, it's it's also different because... There are places where people at the age of 50, they look like 100, you know, and, and they are all absolutely expendables. I think it's a special place where you are living. It's a special culture. It's an amazing God's blessing, despite all the shinagans are happening in the USA right now. And uh, yes, it is. It will work out. It's a God's blessing that you, you can actually teach people that uh, you don't have to work in a field you don't you're not depending on somebody else to be able like a like a sponsor like in if i think of brahms or 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 bach or even mozart they were sponsored and they had to you you said that you had to go to these uh, uh listening parties and uh, even in the film industry and everywhere, you have to have somebody who is uh, pushing you, giving the promotion money for that if you want to have the name recognition you said. This is the same story with the big names we remember these days. Most probably, there were dozens of equally talented people at that time, but they never had a chance to to discover what they are capable for because life was really not easy. And, and that you are giving chances to people that say alright, who knows, at the age of 70 they will give a concert by the way, do you give concerts in solo? I listened to your album this uh, interesting jazz-ish classical mashup uh, where you wrote about the lockdowns
1: You mean my Grammy submission?
0: Yes, yes.
1: It's called Strange Times yeah, Strange Times, it's I wrote it in 2020, but I just never released it till recently. And when I put a video together with it, that kind of helps yeah. tell the story. But I wrote it probably right soon after the shutdown began. I thought to myself, I'm not getting shut down. <laughs> I am going gonna, gonna to keep being creative and uh, producing something, even though I can't go out. And and play concerts anymore. I want to still be productive, so I tried. Yeah. I just tried my hand at composing something in the jazz vein, and uh, it's not your typical jazz. Like you said, it's a kind of a mashup, right? It's not not uh, super jazz. It's
0: interesting how you put the tension into that one. That it's like um, it's like a best of the best. I mean, uh, that uh, a lot of classical music is just for a lot of people, is unbearable because they don't understand how to listen to music. Same with jazz. But it's like you are putting together some bits here, some bits there, so I recognize it, and it's, it looks like that, but it's not too much, so people can... I don't like the word, but I will use this one. People can consume it. They can understand in their everyday life, and they don't need to have the white right ears to really discover yeah.
1: I love the idea that it's accessible to, to, to different listeners. Yeah. I've noticed that, that people who are not necessarily musicians or connoisseurs of music enjoy listening to that piece. So, um, I think I made it palatable, you know, for for, not on purpose. It just kind of came out that way, but, um, it's got, obviously a lot of improvisation in it but it also has a nice what we call head you know the main melody and then the harmonized version of it and it's a little on the long side but jazz tends to be longer because of uh sections of improvisation i
0: do love 10 minutes long songs i mean i mean it's it's sorry it's like with sex. who wants to do with two minutes you know it's like you need to have everything
1: all right i'll take that analogy (laughs)
0: uh, you know what I appreciated in in, in this song Strange Times the most that how um, eloquently you could put the tension into it without being too much on the nose and I would like to translate it to spoken language because People lately, it seems to me, they forgot how to speak, how to express themselves. And I'm not talking about this, oh, Generation Z or Alpha, what they are coming with their Martian language. I'm talking everyday people. it feels that we do not respect even ourselves, not to mention each other, to find the right words, the right expressions. Um, same with music. Everything is so numbed and dumped down and we can talk about how the frequencies are chopped from the top and the bottom how people do not understand that listening anything through a, a telephone is not the same thing as you just take the time on the turntable uh, we could talk a lot about that. let's talk about those. All those but, uh, yeah so oh. so to, like, i love this how you could and put the tension into that one and i think for me that was the hook that somebody who can express herself without, uh, without saying, hey, I am the great composer. This is how I express myself. Look! You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I mean, I approach composition with a lot of humility after playing, uh, being a classically trained musician and playing the great composers my whole life. I, I still remember when I, the first thing I composed, I think it was in I uh, like... M- in the late 90s, and I Mm -hmm. said to myself, well, why not? I mean, maybe it will suck, but I mean, I I might as well put pencil to paper, and I'm I'm old-fashioned how I compose. I do it at the piano with staff paper. Oh, yes. I just uh, gave it a try, and the first thing that came out of me was the tune called The Gathering Dusk, which is kind of a Celtic kind of thing. You know? So I thought, oh, it doesn't have to be, um, a, you know, Bach fugue. It, it can just, it can just be a simple melody. But I do like to think that I have a little, mm, a variety of um, textures and harmonies and melodic twists and turns that makes it not that pablum that you're talking about, where it's just so many so much music nowadays is all of like two or three chords oh and, yes and there there's no there there there's nothing happening, and it's all about production like if it weren't produced and you know built up and all that compression and all that stuff it I don't inst- like that. there would be there's no substance there's there's nothing happening so I like to, you know, I explore modal harmonies uh, or modal ideas. Um, In this Strange Times Things uh, uh, thing, I threw in a Picardy third, which is where you suddenly go from minor to major unexpectedly. And in jazz, that never happens. So that threw some people off like, whoa. Why did you put a Picardy third in there? And other people said, "Oh, I love the Picardy Third.
0: <laughs> when I was, I mean, that, that is something. What is unusual, strange, as the title suggests, but it is good. Strange, it's good. Different. Um, I mean, we we can't copy paste what was before always. And you 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 have this uh, uh, popular mariachi uh, band. You have this equally popular, or in my eyes, very 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 enjoyable. Uh, Celtic version of you, and uh, you have the classical version. Uh, plus, you have some Scottish version. We can talk about that one. Your special spoken word nights. Oh yeah. <laughs> so and and then somehow God or the high spirit word can channel something through you, what had never been before. And I think this is how we can progress in h- culture and in humanity that we take what we had before with respect and we add our own little thing on the top of that.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, And and it's very enjoyable to be not producing or not create, I don't like the word producing, not creating things with commercial value in mind, which I never did do. For better or worse, I never did that. So, I mean, being a classical flutist my whole life, obviously I wasn't thinking about making big bucks, you know? That wasn't ever my goal. I was so I, I was so driven to be a musician that I tried many times to tr- do different careers and I just mm-hmm. couldn't stick with it. I just had to come back to music because it's too much who I am. And, you know, my, my parents were thinking, well, that's not very practical. So I, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. And no oh, regret. Never regret. But when I go to compose, I have no expectations. I, I'm just very, well, like you said, authentic. I try to be very authentic. I, I'm honest. I'm composing what's coming to me. If someone likes it, I'm overjoyed. If someone said, it comes up to me and says, I felt moved when I heard your piece. Like a, a student of mine said to me the other day, I was having a really rough day when I heard your Strange Times tune for the first time and it lifted up my spirits and put a smile on my face and made my day better. Well that that's all I need. I don't need a Grammy. That that <laughs> that made that made it all worthwhile, you know?
0: That's very humane to say that I, I love this. Probably this is what music is for to give the resonation, that vibration, what the people lost in their life for a moment or for a longer period. And I, I know it sounds very cheesy, but it is healing. Music is healing.
1: Oh, it is healing. It's, 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 um, it's therapeutic. It raises our vibrations for sure, listening to music.
0: Can we talk about that one? <laughs> I just watched this uh, watched this uh, documentary uh, you know what claimed uh, again this uh, probably there are some truths in that one that how the you know tuning changed and how the real classical tuning was 417, 423 and now it's 440 and this is how people actually can be manipulated in movies or in, in radio plays or whatever playlist, that oh, now you will be happy. Can you hear the violence now? Can you hear the silence in the movies now? You have to cry. This is what's happening now. I tried a couple of times to retune my piano, you know, and, and try to listen the, the the real version of the songs. They sound a little bit off.
1: You mean if you were trying to do uh, mean
0: temperament? Yes, I was trying that. Okay, so the A is now going down, like, I don't know, 417, Well, it's weird, it's different, and uh, I think it shouldn't be that now everything is a standard as far as i recall there was the french standard of tuning as far as i recall there was the germans the italians before this whole music industry which i hate calling it as an industry because then everything is a cogwheel uh, for somebody's gain and and uh, maybe the pieces were written with that one and this is my dream always to to be there at the riverbank to have just a piece of instrument with you, a guitar or whatever, and what you can play and sing to the people, that's that's happening there and that's it. That's the true resonance. So turning back to the question to you, so have you ever experimented with this different or more ancient tuning, what people claim that uh, they can heal things what modern medicine can't?
1: Um, well, certainly not on my piano, I haven't. Um, my tuner just, does what he does, and it's four forty. You know. and and my flute is tuned. Uh, my main flute is tuned to four forty, which actually makes it flat against new flutes that are all tuned higher, because you know the really? Euro- Yeah, the European orchestras are are playing now at four forty two, four forty four, even four forty six. I think Berlin. Wow. My, my orchestra plays at four forty, but. The fact is, I, the flute would be out of tune with itself if I tried anything fancy. Like if I moved the cork, in the, the way you would yeah. tune, retune the flute would be moving the cork in the head joint, right? And then the, tune, the flute gets out of tune with itself. So you the only time I've played at lower pitches has been on recorder. But then mm. the recorders tend to be tuned lower. But then the problem I ran into was the accompaniment instruments have to match me. So if we are playing in an, an ensemble and being a flute player or a solo instrument player like that, um I usually I I prefer to play with accompaniment because you can only stand so much solo melody. So I'm I'm pretty much stuck at the standard pitches. And my ear is so trained now to hear 440 as correct from playing in an orchestra at 440 that 442 or something almost makes me feel a little edgy, to tell you the truth. And uh, I 438 see. 438 or something makes me, uh, it just sounds so dumpy to me. So we do mm-hmm. a job. But it's interesting, I I, I took a lesson once with, I like to still take lessons once in a while with masters from different
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, orchestras and stuff, because everyone has something to give you, you know, some little gem of knowledge or a little trick of the trade or technique or something. So this this woman's name was Lisa Ruojo, and she was the principal flute of uh, the Finland uh, Symphony or philharmonic. Anyway, she travels and plays with different orchestras, and when she goes to a, a city that's going to play, an orchestra that's going to play at a different pitch, she sets the tune, I don't know how she does it, it sounds like torture, but she, she sets the, her tuner, tuner to um, do a, a tone at that pitch, an A at that pitch, and then she sleeps with it on all night long. So she's Mm -hmm. hearing, like, let's say she's going to play with an orchestra at 4.44, and she'll set her tuner to play a 4.44 um, hum, and she'll sleep with it on all night long. And so that seeps into her subconscious as the right pitch.
0: Well, that's interesting, but uh, as you said, it would be, I think, difficult for many of us to cope with it.
1: Or to change, yeah, to change that quickly. I don't know. It would be very strange because you get so used to, you know, zooming in on that that resonance. You know, it's all about resonance, right? Yes. Yeah, you know, a lot of people like uh, quote lay people, non musicians. They don't they don't hear pitch being off per se. Like if they if they hear something and the pitch is off, they don't. they don't know what they're hearing that they don't like, but if they hear the same thing and the pitch is exactly right, then they like it better, but they don't know why they like it better. Yes. They just know that it that it resonates better. It just, it comes together, right? And they don't realize that what they're hearing is beats, and it's it's kind of annoying, right?
0: Yeah, and you know, I think this is also the part of that, that how people can be manipulated to feel things what they never thought they would want to feel, uh, like twenty years ago uh, when I had an album, I experimented with the sub bass. You know, I did it was very rockish album, but uh, I said okay, so let's do what, something with the sub bass. I always, manip- uh, you know, modulated it, uh, never the same manually. You know, just to, to keep it interesting. And uh, people who had the right devices to listen, they had the experiment. But those who who just listen, you know, like MP3s, whatever, then they never they never had a chance. Right. And uh, lately, I've been trying to see what the producers are up to, and everybody is going after the very same things: cut off the low registers, you know, you don't need the frequencies, and only middle, because this is ninety percent of people listening through iPhones or whatever. I don't care those things. I mean, how come that, for example, a band like, I know it's pop, but I know a band like you 2 can go to the far end of the world to find the right person to finish their song and touch up the song at their, uh, for this and that. And then they are absolutely the masters to have the right masters. Because whatever device you have, that song will sound awesome without pushing it too much. And the closest to what you will experience at their life performance. Having classical music these days, I find it strange. I tell you why. Now that uh, without advertising, uh, Apple has this uh, classic Apple classical music, this free app. Yeah. And they had like trillions of fantastic versions of classical songs. You can have the ultimate lossless experiment. Yet, most of them annoys my ears. Physically, it pains. Because usually a classical recording is, especially if it's an old one, shouldn't be put in stereo or Dolby surround or whatever because it was recorded in mono, for example, or once again, where are the other part of the sounds, you know, and those are missing. I don't know is there a way to record classical music right and this is the question after this long exposé about this so is there a way to to give back classical music the right way or is it only or mostly the live performances
1: Well I'm not an expert um, of studio uh, you know engineering or um, I'm I'm always at the mercy of Things like mic placement and uh, Mm. EQ and things like that, you know, which are tricky with the flute because flute's a high-pitched instrument, so not everyone knows how to mic it properly. Uh, Also, you can get a windy sound. So if I'm standing on a stage and I'm playing to an audience, I know just how much to project. Just like if you were public speaking. Yeah. Without a like or on stage as an actor, and without a microphone, you would know you need to project your voice. And so, if I'm looking at music and it says pianissimo, I'm not going to play at a whisper because I know the back row won't hear me. Yeah. And so I'm I'm uh, I'm projecting no matter. Like I guess you could call it a stage whisper. You know, it's still going to mm-hmm. be loud. But it's I guess it's up in, when you're recording. Then it's up to the um, engineer. Now I've yet to actually record a classical album, although I've done a lot of classical kind of things. Do you? I've played a lot for David Arkinstone. He's um, a new age artist, okay. and uh, and he he writes music sometimes in the classical genre, and so I've done a lot of recordings for him. I've, I've recorded for him for over twenty years, and. Um, we're, I just do what I do. I play the way I play. You know, I don't play differently because I'm in a studio. I still, I still play out.
0: What about as a listener, when when you attend to a concert where you are enjoying it and you are not performing, which one do you enjoy more? When you have this full fledged almost arena sound, or it's more intimate like a room concert?
1: You mean a, a large uh, concert hall versus a small concert? Yes. like a house concert. Yes. Oh, I like I like house concerts because I, I like to talk to audiences. I like to I like a more I like a more relaxed atmosphere. Those big concerts make me so nervous. I mean, I've done so many of them, and um, in college I put on like six major recitals for huge audiences, and I've done concertos and. Um, you know, pieces with orchestra and everything, and it's, it's exciting and exhilarating, but it's really nerve wracking. It's one of those things where you fantasize about the beer you're going to have when it's over, you know. But, um, when I have <laughs> when I play smaller concerts, it's got a kind of a familial, um, friendly feeling about it, and then I feel you know, the pressure's off. I still am going to play as well as I can play and try to make everything perfect and take it very seriously. But I just, it's just um, not so formal and it's not so, I don't feel as separated from the audience. I so see. I, I love, I love smaller concerts. I really have fun with them. I also love talking to audiences. I'm a, I'm a, Bit of a ham when it comes to, you know, audience contact. So um, yeah, like in engaging with the audience. And um, the last time I did a big, um, played a a piece that was written for me with um, instead of orchestra, it was written for flute and concert band. And it was written by a LA composer called um, Ross Wright. He's quite a brilliant composer, very brilliant. And I asked him, I said, Ross, why don't you write a piece for flute and band? I thought that would was it, I, play, I at that time I played with a really big, an eighty piece concert band. It was quite a great group. And so he did and he called it Sue's Night on the Town, which was really funny. I, I expected it to be like, you know, um hmm frolic for flute and band or some or capriccio or some some something like that but he called susanite on the top and the um i was quite nervous about it because it was a really hard piece and the conductor introduced he got the title mixed up so he said and now we're going to have um something like i don't know what he said but he he got mixed up and so i was able to correct him and then we laughed and it just it re, it just suddenly relaxed the atmosphere so much it took me away it it put me at ease and then i was able to launch into the piece with a more of a fun feeling than if it had been just very formal you know
0: i don't know has it shifted with you with the ages because i do remember that uh i was way more Nervous when it was an intimate setting, oh. and I was much more uh, when it was like a I don't know, like an airport concert or whatever, it was that was my my my, my real place, you know. But as the years changed, as uh, especially in the last couple of years, I started to give way more personal, you know, performances like room settings or something, and uh, I just found. For me, I just found a completely new sound of of myself. It was still me, but I felt like I am giving something different what I never could, could give before. So has it ever shifted with you? I mean these smaller or bigger venues?
1: Well, I think when I was younger, I tolerated big concerts better. I was doing them more often i um, I was just more used to them, I guess, and i I I think, I think now I wouldn't. If I had to do a full recital, like a full two-hour recital by myself now in front of a big audience, I just wouldn't enjoy that very much. Uh, whereas I, I don't know if I enjoyed it when I was younger, but I just did it a lot, you know. I see. Now I think I would be like, oh my god, what have I taken on to myself? Whereas when I do these little concerts, um, I just find them to be. I look forward to them. They're fun. Especially if I do them with Black Waterside, my Celtic band. I, I like doing small concerts with Black Waterside. We have, we have a lot of fun with it.
0: That's not the promise you made.
1: lion tongue let the sun Neo born and Andy, a human show. Tell the audience about each piece, and I do some, like you said, I do some poetry, Scottish poetry, and I play about, you know, four, four or five different instruments, and it's it's really enjoyable. Classical music, of course, is a lot more demanding in the sense of note perfection and technique and oh, all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, but I. Keep my chops up, you know i like to I like to be ready for anything. try to so try, if try to, David
0: Foster calls you tomorrow, you will be saying, all right, I'm going
1: I never say no, I don't say no. I say yes to everything. sometimes I get nervous, but I look at it as a challenge and and sometimes I just like the idea of being a, it's a little bit of my sense of adventure, as some people have asked me before, don't you like any adrenaline sports? I mean don't you like ski or Snowboard or or dirt dirt bike ride or something. I say, have you ever played on stage before? That's my oh adrenaline.
0: yes. <laughs> and the rush after that you finished, and it's still yeah. three a.m. and you can't go to bed because you are still high on the other yeah. End.
1: Exactly. That's that's the biggest adrenaline sport of all of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, it's interesting because. People always saying that, "Hey, I want to be like Bon Jovi. I love Bon Jovi," you know, and then they don't know what they are talking about because that's a lifestyle. And you said that uh, you traveled a lot and you performed a lot, and um, it is it looks fancy on the on on the audience side, but that lifestyle giving out that much from your life for that few hours if you are lucky, like a few hours uh, uh, every day or every uh, or every week, then um, I don't think it is equal. And I don't think if it is personal at all or intimate. I feel these days that connection is missing in the world. People don't really connect to each other. They talk to each other or shout to each other or shoot each other from car to car, you know. <laughs> but they, they, they somehow this kind of thing that, hey, just have a beer together or just let's relax after the day and chill out together without wanting to do something, We just winding down or really fixing the word in an enthusiastic conversation and change ideas, listening to each other and, uh, and try to understand why the other person is saying what the other person is saying. I think and I feel this, it is it is somehow scarce. I don't know. How, how, how do you feel about that? Because living in classical music, like yourself, it's a safe haven. You can always find peace and solace. But the outside world is not really supporting of peace and solace these days. Well,
1: maybe in music... Yeah, I don't know. I I like to think that music can still be used that way, Um, like as a a source of solace. Like, I'm going to be releasing uh, another piece, uh, a classical piece, actually. The plan is to release it in November, maybe December. And it's just a single track. But anyway, it's very calm. I, as you pro- if you were listening to my music much, you, you probably noticed I like slow stuff. I like darker. That must be my uh, Scottish soul, you know, like, like the, the highlands and the islands and the, that dark stuff. But anyway, I've, I think I know how it makes me feel when I listen to it. It's very calming and deep. It makes me go to a deeper place. I hope other people will find it that way too. I, I'm sure some will because it just has that effect. I always use my sister. I, have, my youngest sister is, um, she's not a professional musician, but she loves music, and she's kind of like my sounding board, my barometer. I say, what do you okay. think of this? And and I love her opinions because she's not coming from. A critical place she's not listening with a critical ear of oh well you know this harmonic construct doesn't work or blah 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 you should try different instrumentation she's not she's just feeling it right she's Mm -hmm.
0: just
1: feeling it and if she says to me oh that drew you know made me cry or or that that made me fantasize about a story or think about words to go with it or something, then I feel like, yes, you know, that's that's what I want. That's the the best judge. So I yeah,
0: like I, I hear you. I think it's 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 really moving when you can have a relationship with your sister like that and that you can trust each other and I, I think it's, it's it's important I find it's also rare uh, how much do you watch these talent shows I mean these, these, they have become so popular and uh, uh, what I think is missing classical music very rarely you can find a few contenders but they are drop, dropped out, no, they're not they are dropping, they are just kicked out of the competition very early and somehow it feels that uh things are just repeated 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 so it doesn't matter who is playing that so why do you think people are not tuning into classical music these days is it because uh, it is not fantasy? they're not
1: exposed to it anymore they're not they we don't have music education in schools anymore so they're not hearing it they don't know how to listen to it like they just they don't. They're not exposed to it. I grew up in a house where my parents played classical music all the time, so um, I heard it at, from an early age, and I it was in my consciousness, and I knew I knew how to listen to it. It was not strange to me. Um, but if if you take music out of the schools, let alone giving each kid the opportunity to play an instrument, him or herself, like um, that. In my school, in fifth grade, um, we all got to try an instrument. Obviously, it, it really took with me. Although I did want to play cello, I didn't want to play flute. <laughs> I wanted to play cello, and my the cello line was too long. And uh, my mother's Scottish, you know, so she needed a cup of tea. You know how Scots are about tea. So we 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 couldn't wait. We couldn't wait for um, the line, so we went home for tea, and then my dad brought me home a flute the next day because I know what he was thinking. I don't want to schlep that cello around for her. Um, (laughs) So he brings me this little box, and I open it up, and, oh, how pretty. And then that was my fate was sealed, you know. But music education was very prevalent when I was a child, and everyone... There were certain pieces that everyone knew. They all knew. Maybe it was like the top forty of classical, like Beethoven's oh, yeah. and and you know Fantasia or whatever. But we all well, Peter and the Wolf. Everyone knew Peter and the Wolf. We all got exposure to certain classical music. Ida Klein, you know some some Mozart, some Bach, some uh, Brahms Lullaby. it was just yeah. part of the culture, right? and it isn't now i can assure you it is not i say to my students whose parents are taking the going to the effort of sending them in for lessons and paying for lessons and i say uh, do you know um, peter and the wolf no never heard of it do you, do you, do you know beethoven no they don't they don't know anything no they don't have unless their parents turn them onto it they don't know it. It it's is not. so
0: weird. It is so yeah. weird. Because I never had this uh, musical uh, you know, education. Uh, my school was like, okay, just boys don't anything, you know. And my parents were not that supportive for the things. And, uh, of course, in my rebellious years, I got my first guitars and so on. So that was a different take. But um, it took a lifetime to accept that I am good enough to play classical music. I have uh, the ability to train myself and finding the right tutors for that. But, uh, for example, with my kids, um, these decades lately, uh, never, never for a second was a question that they, from their birth, they were listening to classical music as they, as a baby, you know, to. Uh, and uh, then later on to give them the chance without pushing them okay, you want to play piano All right, cool, but then we will go and then taking them like, you know, like the soccer dad, just it was a piano dad you know, taking here competitions here, there, whatever so I think it depends on the parent and uh, it is not about uh, it is not about the school because schools can be good or as you said, Scottish they can be shite. It's what they do. And maybe you don't have time to homeschool a kid or maybe you just can't afford to go to a Walter or Montessori school or wherever. But as a parent at home, that's the whole thing. There's the whole world where you can really change the children's worldview. I mean, we have even YouTube, you know, you can find everything there. I don't understand why... You mentioned that it's missing from the curriculum. I don't understand why people are not feeling the need of that, that all right, it's like fast food. Modern music is like fast food, like junk food. Nobody, if you eat that, you will get cancer. Same with this contemporary music, you will be fed up, your brain will be full of noise. And uh, it's your choice to discover that there is a better food, there is a better music It's, it's, I don't know. So, I mean, there is no end of this. So they just my rant.
1: Well, there is, you can find anything on YouTube now. So there is this whole thing of these young prodigies, these young geniuses, uh, piano prodigies and guitar prodigies and little prodigies all over the place. And they're, I think they're very inspiring to the younger generation. But I imagine a lot of kids listen to that or watch them play and think, well, I could never do that. That kid is, um, you know, uh, a prodigy. And, you know, and and, it, and it'd be, I don't know. And it, I find that they often uh, are emphasizing technique. It's all about what amazing chops they have. Yeah. How fast they play and everything. And I've, I feel like, yeah, but where, where's the soul of the music? Just where play for me the slow movement. Play the slow m- movement.
0: Oh, yes, uh, yes.
1: You know, like, uh, I don't know if you know the Bach piece called the Goldberg Variations. Yes. It's Okay, so Glenn Gould uh, recorded the G- Goldberg Variations as a young man, and then he recorded them again shortly before he died, I think. When, well, he died young, but t- 20, 30 years later. I don't know the exact ages he was. But if you... That, and it, they were equally good as far as the technique goes and the, the, the amazing prowess he had. But the theme, the theme itself, that amazingly, stunningly beautiful theme, that theme, I think, is what you must hear when you go to heaven. Um, it, the way he played it when he was young, Was like, kind of like, let's do this theme and get to the good stuff, you know, the pyrotechnics. But when he was old and he played the theme, it was so different. It was like he understood now. He was able to go to a quiet, deep place. And then he still did the pyrotechnics, but the theme was exquisite when he was older. And I felt when he was younger, even though everything was in its place, it was. It didn't have as much of an intention behind it.
0: It's interesting what you are saying because I've been trying to compare different versions of the very same. For example, I went to Verdi, Lacrimosa, you know, and I tried the different versions and they didn't give me that what I was looking for. You know you had you, you you have one version okay this is what saves me that night this is how it resonates with my soul and you have a different version for let's say the Vienna harmonics or you have a different and that's just something is missing Bach. I, I, I love Bach, and uh, you know there is this uh, small piece called Air, what is very popular, and yeah. uh, and there is only one version. Uh, what I can tolerate, and I love it. This is our waking up music. You know, like this is how not to traumatize yourself when you get up in the morning, and uh, and the, the others are just completely like a different song. These are what you are saying. That uh, that. Uh, is the same, and if you put next to each other the same thing, it looks the same but feels completely
1: different. I, I said, um, interpretation is everything, you know. Interpretation. I, I feel like even when I was very young, like in my preteens, I somehow understood classical music. I just understood it. My mm-hmm. like teach didn't have to. Tell me, sometimes when I'm teaching interpretation, I'm having to do it in an external way. Say, well, if you do a decrescendo there and you um, separate these notes more for like a marcato and do this and do that and then, you know, fade this note out, then it's going to sound very, you know, emotional or moving. It's better, of course, if those things come from inside that you. You're feeling it. And so you end up doing these things to express the feeling. And I, even at a very young age, I just got that. I just knew it just, I still remember like my first classical piece and the slow movement. And I, I just dug right into it like, like I, I had been there before, you know, like.
0: <laughs> I see. So it's like a true calling. And you felt, okay, this is me.
1: Yeah, like I just got it. I just I just understood it. And I always liked jazz too. I mean, it's funny. I'm in the jazz category this, this year, right? But I, in a way, it's just because what else are you going to call it? But I, I've
0: always... <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I find it funny because if you are revolutionizing something uh, and then they want to put you in a box, but the box never existed before.
1: They can only have so many categories and they don't have one that's called Classical jazz mashup. They don't have that category. Yet.
0: <laughs> not yet.
1: <laughs> not yet. Maybe it will start. But jazz, uh, and apropos of listening, because we were talking earlier about knowing how to listen to things, jazz was not something that everyone can listen to either, especially the more intense stuff, the bebop and all that. And, um, you know, people whose parents listened to Miles Davis and, and all the great Jazz musicians growing up, then they they have an ear for jazz. They know how to listen to it. But um, other people just think, "Ooh, what's going on?" They're playing so out, you know. So it's it's too
0: much for the untrained ears, that's for sure.
1: I always had a feel for that too, although I wasn't as drawn to it as classical. Classical just always felt like home to me. It felt like I was at home.
0: Maybe it comes with the age. I mean, a lot of people can't tolerate Beatles when they are young or Rolling Stones as they are aging. They they love Rolling Stones and Beatles, you know. The, the pro is the same with jazz. I mean, I know for a fact that you do like Jet Rotel, and Jet Rotel is a very good part of the jazz. It's a good way to introduce yourself to jazz, I guess.
1: Well, yeah, of course I was really into Tull when I was younger and then uh, uh, about 10 years ago um, I actually played in a Jethro Tull cover cover band oh. and, and um, you know I was Ian Anderson except not with the singing there's another guy who did the singing and um, I learned all of his solos note by I actually transcribed them the ones that hadn't already been transcribed note for note note for note which was really hard and He plays so rhythmically, so drivingly, rhythmically, you know, cool, like grooving, that it was very interesting because I would play along with the recordings once I had the notes down. And it was very interesting. It took me to a whole new place inside flute playing that I had never really done before. That driving and intense and fast and, you know, just like, it was hard hard um at first but I got into it it was it was really fun. I wish that band had kept going cuz we only did one big performance and then that was it. And like
0: I hope you have some recordings because I want to hear that.
1: It wasn't my band. The people who did it weren't taking it seriously enough. They were just having fun, but boy, that was a lot of work for one night. And I really would like to have had recordings of it, but it I learned a lot from just doing it. And it is important if you're going to experiment with different genres. I'm also an actor, you know.
0: Okay, tell me about that because that's a new fact for me.
1: Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah. No,
0: you kept it in secret. The only thing that I saw that was the poem, the Scottish poems about the haggis, the praise the haggis. Yeah.
1: The haggis. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. I had a Scotch friend and wanted me to eat that. I said, no freaking way. You're missing out. Um, (laughs) All right. (laughs) So you were saying you are an actress.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm not doing it these days, but that's what I came to L.A. for. Okay. I always was fascinated by acting, but it just kind of, you were either a musician or you were an actor. But we have Hannah Montana, so come on. <laughs> we oh, have Olivia
0: Rodrigo. We have now everybody is a musician. or uh, We have Justin Timberlake. Oh, my gosh,
1: that's true. But I, in high school, I would be in the pit, you know. Oh, I see. Um, the pit orchestra, well, yeah. And, um, but I, I loved it. And then when I lived in Germany, I lived in Germany for three years. And during that time, I was in a play for... At least one whole year. It was a long run, and I was acting in German though, and um, it was a very successful play. When I came back home, I went back to school. That was up in the Bay Area in San Jose, as a theater arts major. And for two years, I already had a master's in flute, and now I went back to the same school as a theater arts major. And for for two years, I just did play after play after play after play, and then I got the bug to come to L.A. and try my luck with um, TV and film and all that kind of stuff, which actually didn't really take off for me because I had a lot of interesting experiences. But I just made my way back to music, of course, because it's it's my true calling. But what I'm saying is that I do have a fair amount of experience as an actor. So when I play different pieces and different genres, I take on a character. Like oh. I'm I feel like a character, and i 'm not the same person when I play jazz as when I play classical or mm. celtic or Renaissance. I also play renaissance music i i 'm a different character like i'm i 'm really losing myself in the role kinda of.
0: because it 's a performer
1: well, not only that but it 's a gestalt it 's coming from somewhere it 's coming from a different place, so i 'm not going to approach jazz the way i would approach classical music Mm. i i use a different tone i use a different um a whole different approach to flute playing on jazz than i do on classical less vibrato you know things like that yeah and um and celtic about the ornaments and stuff so deep down probably my classical roots always are gonna sneak sneak through a little bit but But, um
0: (laughs) maybe the that, it's, that you're more rounded and more, more sophisticated, whatever you are playing, because you already have the classical background. And that's or the- that
1: I have chops. Like if I play rock and roll, like when I did the, the Jethro Tull, I couldn't have done that stuff if I didn't have chops, like technique. I couldn't have done it. It required a lot of technique. So the classical background of, uh, of, of technique and tone and stuff, that always comes to play no matter what I'm what genre I'm playing but I do try to take on a different character for uh, like a, a different I try to come from a different place when I'm doing different kinds of music yeah. I notice a lot of musicians aren't able to drop, drop their classical uptightness you know when they go to play other yeah. genres
0: on the one hand, it's a little bit funny that there is this notion that uh, violinists are always having the crazy face when they are in the mood.
1: We have to keep our embouchure going, so <laughs> we we can't do too much with our face.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine. I, I My mouth would be numb in the first second, I guess.
1: No, if anything, it's my right thumb gives me trouble. Oh, really? The right thumb is, yeah, especially nowadays, the right thumb takes a lot of pressure. It's... It's part of what's holding the flute up and so i just noticed that if i play for several hours that's that's what starts giving out it's never my embouchure
0: hmm. i never thought of that
1: on piccolo it might be but not on flute
0: okay who would you like to play with who would you like to perform together with i mean it can be a singer it can be anybody else who people don't even know just the small circles of the classical musicians. So is there anyone you really would like to play with aside of Jan Anderson?
1: I'm not sure if I have any like, you know, idols or something. Well, I have a flute idol. His name is Dennis Buryakov. He, I think he's the best flutist in the world now. Mm-hmm. And a nice, nice guy and he lives here in LA. And I've met him before at the flute conventions and and even at and I was up at the repairman we all use the same repair people because it's a rarefied little world of of professional flutists. I was up there and there he was, Dennis Buryakov. I was like oh. and I said I asked him if he teaches because I would love to play duets with him. I mean that would be that would be arriving for me to play duets with Dennis Buryakov even in the context of a lesson or something but he doesn't he only teaches master classes now he doesn't need to teach private lessons he's the principal flute of the um, LA
0: Philharmonic but you are teaching the rest of the people so you have more audience
1: (laughs) (laughs) but you know when it comes down to it I, I like I like the playing things I'm doing these days I like my band, I like. I play with a little jazz quartet once in a while. It's really fun to play with them. But I don't have great ambitions of, oh, I wish I could play with that orchestra or with that musician. I, I just am loving. I'm loving what I'm doing, you
0: know? What All about ready. soundtracks? Have you ever thought of having your compositions or play maybe an indie movie or a bigger one?
1: I mean that's what we all fantasize about that's what we all want. I mean to tell you the truth nowadays that's the only way you can get make any money on a recording. You spend a lot of money making the recording but you don't make any because everyone just puts it on their YouTube playlist or whatever. Maybe they spend 99 cents for your track and they or they pirate it or it's their there's no money in recording anymore. The only way to make money is to have something licensed for a show. But also, besides the money aspect of it, it's just thrilling. It would be thrilling. I have played on soundtracks. I've done recording sessions where I've played on soundtracks, and that's exciting enough. But yeah, to have my own composition licensed for something, or any of my compositions, that would be, Oh, I'd be so thrilled. I do hope that happens um, with strange times. It seems like it could work, you know, for something.
0: It's a perfect piece for an indie movie.
1: Good. I th- I'm glad you think so. I hope some music supervisor feels the same way.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, really, I mean, just uh, what I found it interesting, I already uh, told it to you earlier before our conversation today that. Uh, it depends on where you listen to you know so so the ratio the bitrate, rate where you listen on streaming services do influence the atmosphere of the song for me at least
1: we're all vulnerable to that now we can like you said we can make the best recording in the world and someone's going to just hear it on their iphone so yeah you know i do
0: love listening the music i would like to respect the the, the performer or the composers you know with my attention I don't listen to background noise I hate I tune off everything every day just when I listen to music then I listen to music then I'm there you know so it's yeah. it's. I think it's a communication because if the artist invests into, in in the audience as an audience I also should invest the, in the artist not
1: good point
0: yeah I listen to LP still so oh. i, I
1: I hope that someday I can actually put out a an LP, an album. Of, I'm actually in. I'm I've gotten into songwriting, and in the new year, I'm probably in January. I'm going to release my first um, song. I I hesitate to call it a pop song because it's. I'd not once again my genre. My I never know where I fit right. Okay, but it's it's maybe could be called Americana or. I'm not sure. Well, I'll I'll leave that up to the Grammy Foundation to categorize it. But um it's it's a love song is what it is. And I wrote the you know, I'm into poetry. I write poetry. I'm a poet. I, I always feel funny saying I'm a poet. It sounds so pretentious. But I write poetry and in fact I'm going to release a book of my poetry um next year. But um this song is my, my sister Peggy, who's my barometer, she's, she listened to the first time she said, this has to be the theme song for a TV show. <laughs> she just, <laughs> she would be perfect for that. So we'll see, but... Um,
0: it sounds you are blooming. That it's uh, that uh, that you have the performances, that you have this new nomination, that you have a new style, what you try. Uh, There's a new book is coming out. It sounds like 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 like, like a volcano. Everything is coming out, and now uh,
1: better late than never, right?
0: <laughs> of course, of <laughs> course, of course. Two things. One is that how do you energize yourself? For example, I myself, I like going to the nature, I love cooking, and I, of course, being with my kids. But how about you? So how do you get the energy?
1: Well, I'm kind of a workaholic. Uh, (laughs) Don't go to nature. When I say workaholic, though, it's work I like, right? I mean, the teaching can drain me a little bit, because when you're teaching, you're giving, 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 giving all day long. So that drains me. But well one thing that gives me energy and this might sound a little silly to you, but I love cats.
0: They are sleeping. Cats. They're sleeping. My cat is sleeping there.
1: Oh okay, <laughs> okay. And I I do I'm a cat rescuer and I foster cats. I have one cat of my own, but I have revolving door cats that I foster. Oh,
0: that's on and the YouTube channel. I've seen a lot about cats.
1: Those are my fosters. I finally my publicist convinced me that I need to separate that from my music channel because <laughs> it was like music flute cats flute cats. <laughs> so now all flute and all cats. But um, yeah, I love doing that. I love it. And you know, when I come home from a hard day of teaching or gigging, gigs gigs can be very draining. Like a lot of the mariachi gigs are really far away in different parts of like orange county and long grueling drives in la traffic with a mariachi suit on and it it's it can be rough and these gigs are all done standing up the whole time hours just standing there playing i love it don't get me wrong it's the most fun it's really the mariachi divas are just great i've been with them for about 18 years now and i just love them and they we have a nominate not nomination we have a submission too you know
0: Oh, I, I didn't know about sub- that.
1: Yes, I'm sorry. I'm so self absorbed um, <laughs> with my so excited about my strange times that I keep forgetting that the divas have a submission in regional Mexican category and that I have my own in best jazz performance. So this is the first time that I have two. It's a, just always been the divas, and it's a it's a fun album. It's called Puro Puro Eighties. I. Ocenta, uh, I don't know how to say it in Spanish, but it's, uh, it's all music from the 80s done in Spanish. It's, it's kind of interesting. Cindy, the leader, comes up with these different concepts. Anyway, um, when I come back from a divas gig and I'm tired and I lock in the door and these silly cats come running up to me meowing and they're soft and funny and they make me laugh and I don't know it just lifts me i just feel lifted up right away it's i call it cat therapy i love nature don't get me wrong i uh, i do feel restored by nature i just don't take the time to go there and i really do need to so uh, i guess my little my little slice of nature is the four-legged furry ones that i live with
0: and the other question is that uh, it might be not that simple to answer especially in 2023 what would you give, what advice would you give to the youth or the people who are young again who always face with the inner naysayer or the outer naysayers because the world is naysaying everybody now. And uh, there, as you said, there is no real education to something substantial for example, classical music, somehow people are ruthless and uh, the connections are broken. Ruthless people are drifting and they become ruthless to uh, themselves and to each other so easily. What advice would you give them to make it to be, maybe not just musicians, but to to get there where they can discover that they are unique and they can really give back something to the world and they can really enjoy existing and finding all the different traits they can manifest themselves as yourself.
1: Well, first of all, I think everyone should try things out. They should try they should they should never have this idea of well, so and so is a musician, but I could never do that. Just try it and then don't give up to when you when you discover Oh, that's hard. Yeah, it is hard. Keep doing it. Not everything. Not everything is uh, instant gratification. Some. Sometimes you've got to invest time in something. And um, and I I have a little psychological trick I play with my students. It's called the five minute rule. Okay. I say, um, practice. When you say you didn't have time to practice. Um, did you have five minutes? You, you, everyone has five minutes. Everyone has five minutes. So sit down at the piano or play the flute for five minutes. Just do it for five minutes. Don't, I think people have, and of course that usually grows into a half an hour because once you're going, it's fun. It's just this idea in your head of, Oh, I have to practice now. Oh, I have to be good. I have to, you know, accomplish this or that. Just get started. Just get started. Like a writer always says write, put your pen to the, or, you know, get on that keyboard and start. Just don't think that it's going to be brilliant. Don't think you're going to sound wonderful, but just go initiate the process. And it's, and think of it more as a process instead of uh, a goal because. I think a lot of people are are scared off by um, hearing other accomplished musicians <clears throat> and thinking I could never get there. I could never do that. That's way too hard, you know. Oh, I, I just and and I say, okay, that's okay if you never get there. You will never be that great. That doesn't mean you're going to love doing it at whatever level you're at. The, the, the enrichment of it and the gratification of it is in the process of doing it, not some kind of goal. And as a musician, no matter how good you are, you can always get better. I mean, I just watched a YouTube video. It was a, a masterclass where Lang Lang, the famous pianist, was in a masterclass with Daniel Berenboim. And Daniel Berenboim was teaching Lang Lang, and Lang Lang had a lot to learn on that Beethoven Sonata they were working on. There's, You can always grow. So start where you're at. Don't set unreasonable goals. You know, everyone says their advice to the young people is, if you really want it, you can do it. And then they, they have these grandiose dreams. And then they obviously get disheartened when it's not happening or it's overwhelming or it's scary and that oh oh so much for that dream say don't have grandiose dreams have just have little dreams just start where you're at and do something little yeah and see where it goes but don't give up right away because yeah it is playing an instrument is by definition hard it's it's there's no shortcut you can't suddenly be good but don't worry about being good. Be be where you're at and keep working on it and then eventually you get over this hump, you get over that hump and before you know it you're having a great time playing the instrument and that's where it should be anyway. It should be about having a good time. Otherwise why are we doing it? Oh, Certainly yeah. not to be wealthy, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I love what you're saying because a lot of people are just pushed uh, to to do things that they don't want to do. Uh, and one thing what maybe people tend to forget that every big names doesn't mind if it is classical or contemporary it takes a decade 10 years usually to make it anybody I, I yeah. think of uh, uh, big names everybody 10 years they were good local uh, but 10 years to be a real name and this is uh, what people just they, 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 you said instant gratification. People have no idea that you, we shouldn't we sink shouldn't in the moment. We should live in the moment, but we should also f- foresee ourselves in the future.
1: Yes, but not with not laying a trip on ourselves. I, I, this is one thing I've learned as I've gotten older, is that um, never lose sight of the love, the love behind it, the pleasure, Ooh. the true enjoyment.
0: The, you know, I, I say, it.
1: hey, yeah. we're playing an instrument. We're using the word play. We're not using the word work. I'm not working the Wow, food. that's
0: the wisest thing today I heard. That's really, that's absolutely, that verse more than 16 years of uh, public school education.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it, there's so much of, uh, in here, right, in the mind, how we approach these things and the psychology behind it. And I, I noticed that people get disheartened because they set their goals too high and they have the wrong goals to begin with. They have these goals about being, you know, like masters and famous and... Uh. Oh,
0: that's all the wrong thing, yeah. Just be who you are and do the work and then the things will happen. Yeah. Susan, I enjoyed it, loved it, and I would love to have your brain about a lot of things, But first of all, congratulations to your submission to be a nomination to have a Grammy.
1: (laughs) That's another example of setting one's goals high. So I have a playful attitude about this, about the whole Grammy thing. I am dancing the dance. I'm I'm submitted. But you know what? Come November 10th, when they announce the nominations or nominees, I'm not going to be crushed if I'm not nominated. I enjoyed this whole process. I've met so many great people. I've heard so much great music. Now when I vote, I'm going to listen carefully and know who I'm listening to. And it's going to be, it's really a great process. It's really more about the process. And and yeah, I mean, if I got a nomination, I'd be over the moon. But I won't, I'm not, I'm not going to be crushed if it doesn't happen. It's just a really fun thing to be able to participate
0: in. As you said, playfulness and not work.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's why we're musicians. It's got to be why we're musicians. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense.
0: I love it. So I'm wishing you a very healthy autumn. Thank you. And uh, also all the best. And I'm really looking forward to your new songs. What you mentioned is coming out in November or December. Your new book, which is coming out next year, and your new not so much pop but yes song which is coming out also early next year and everything what uh, what you just said I mean it's, it's amazing to have somebody with that talent and that creativity who is not keeping inside but putting it out for the benefit of the people
1: and you know what you Neoborn gave me an idea today I think I might make an audio I mean a spoken word recording of my poems do that i never thought about doing that before but you said something about spoken word and then i thought yeah i think i'm gonna i'm an actor so i know how to deliver you know words and i think i'll do that too why not right the world is my oyster
0: This has been the Neoborn and Andia Human Show, presented by two purple rabbits from behind Jupiter in a hidden moon at a secret base in an undisclosed location.